Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Good morning, everyone. My name's Anna. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be all in together. That's all ages, children. Uh, I am going to talk to you today and the big people next to you and the people in between here at the back. Uh, not quite paying attention yet, but they will be when they realise that I'm speaking about it, because uh, we're all going to be together, and I'm going to try my best to speak to everyone, uh, and we're going to do a series together called Don't Be Weird. (laughs) Now, it's nothing personal, it's about the person next to you, Uh, but we're going to spend four weeks uh, looking at something that we all have to do, but that in general, most of us don't feel particularly comfortable doing, And that is talking about our faith. So we all find ourselves talking about our faith with other people from church, with people not from church. Uh, Very few of us feel super comfortable doing it all of the time. Uh, And so for the next four weeks, we're going to do a short series. Uh, Today, with the help of my two cardboard boxes, which I'm going to get out in a moment, we're going to diagnose one of the key reasons that Christians get weird uh, when talking about our faith. And then the next three weeks, some really simple approaches that anyone can do that don't involve knocking on doors, standing up on street corners, lighting matches and trying to tell someone your life history before it burns your fingers. <laughs> like simple approaches anyone can use, young, old, in between, new to faith, been in church your whole life, uh, that will help us to talk without being weird about our faith. Does that sound good? Yeah. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them this is for you, because you're weird. <laughs> In a few weeks' time, once you've got over the injury the person next to you is going to do you to keep calling them weird, uh, I, I'm actually going to need your help. So one of, the, one of the weeks coming up, we're going to be talking about praying for people. And I need some help because I need to talk to some people who have actually prayed for people who don't go to church. Now, listen, I don't need success stories. Like, I don't need fire came from heaven uh, and a dead person came to life. I don't need that story. If you've got it, I'd love to hear it. But that's not the story I'm looking for. I'm just looking for simple stories of courage where you've gone, hey, life's tough. Let me pray for you real quick. Well, they're telling you that they're sick. And you said, do you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I just want to hear a little bit about how it's gone for you. Maybe even get one or two of you up for a little interview about how it went. Nothing scary, nothing intense. So if you've ever prayed for someone not from church, Please come find me. I want to hear your story. If you don't manage to grab me today, email me. Reply to one of the newsletters. It'll get to me. Uh, probably got my email somewhere. Please, please, please. It'll be a rubbish talk <laughs> if no one comes and talks to me. So please come find me and tell me those stories. Now, I've got two boxes and I've got a wired microphone, so this isn't going to work well. Yes. Pete, get box number one for me. Just pop it up here, would you? It's got a word on it. It's to face this way. This is the box. Can you see it? Why tell the person next to you what it says? Tell them this isn't what you have because you're weird. I love that you keep doing it, man. That's amazing. Uh, second box needs to come over here. Yeah. This one says life of faith. Uh, and this morning, what we're going to look at is the fact that many of us, or at least some of us, definitely the person next to you, separates out our life of faith from our ordinary life. Yeah? Sound familiar? Now, I know most people in here are like incredible Christians. You're brilliant at following Jesus. This is, this is something you never do. 
But for the sake of the person next to you, uh, we're going to look at it for just a few minutes this morning. Uh, and I've got two reasons to think that this is going to be super helpful for at least some people in the room. The first reason is that I do this sometimes, so it's helpful for me. Uh, and the second reason I think it's going to be helpful is a very simple question. How was your weekend? Because when I get asked, how was my weekend? I either say something non-committal or I get a bit weird. <laughs> Ever been in that boat? Ever been in that boat? Yes. Uh, why don't you turn to the person next to you in a moment? If they're wearing a mask, don't get all up in their face. Maybe lean back a little bit and put your own mask on for them. But I want you to pretend that you're out for a walk this afternoon and that they are a Christian friend of yours and you've bumped into them and they've asked you, how's your Sunday going? And I think, what one thing might you tell them about this morning? Yeah? So you've bumped into a Christian friend. What one thing might you tell them about your morning so far? Turn and turn role play with the person next to you. Okay. Go on then, shout out a couple of examples to me. What have you just told the person next to you about your morning? There were cupcakes. Yes. I could have got a lot of money by betting that would be the first answer. Anything else you just told the person next to you? It's amazing, great worship. Anything else you told the person next to you? Great preach so far, thank you, I'll pay you later. Great to see friends I've not seen for this, which is really exciting, brilliant. Now, imagine for a moment, you're out for your walk this afternoon and you bump into somebody, an acquaintance that's not a Christian, maybe someone from work, someone from school, maybe a neighbor, you know they're not a believer, and they ask you, how was your Sunday? Why don't you turn and, and think about how you might respond to that question. Go very quickly and role play again. <laughs> okay. So entertain me a bit. Humor me. Hands up. Who found that just slightly more awkward than the first one? Help me out, even if you didn't, because this is like the whole point of my preach, so you have to help me. Excellent. Did anybody default to the uh, classic British fine thanks? Yeah, thank you. Did anybody comment on the idiot at the front of the room who made us a role play? I think even if you saw where I was going and so you cheated and you did it all right, we can all identify with it. Feels a little bit weird when you start talking about the things in your life of faith with somebody who doesn't have a life of faith. Is that true? Yeah. Right. Uh, and there are a number of reasons that we find this difficult, that we find this weird, but I think that this is a really big one. We feel like we share this box with our Christian friend, and so we can talk about it. But when we bump into our non-Christian acquaintance over here in our ordinary life, we look over there at our life of faith and we go, 
they're not interested. You know, we decide for them. They don't want to know about church. They don't want to know about God. Or they think, we think, they wouldn't get it if I tried to explain it. Like my Christian friend, they have one of these boxes, so they'll get it. We can talk about it. And I'll talk about great worship and lovely to see you from church, great fellowship, wonderful preach. Thank you in the front row. But my, my friend who don't get to church, he won't get it, so I'm going to stick with my ordinary life and I'm going to answer, fine, thanks. Or could have done with it being a bit longer, which is what we often default to uh, when we are asked these questions. Uh, and recently, I've been trying to not separate these two boxes in my life, but to talk about my life of faith with people who just have an ordinary life box. And so when people ask me, how are you? Which is, of course, the simpler version of how was your weekend? And I feel like they're actually interested and mean it. Because like sometimes people say, how are you? And if you start talking, that's weird. Right? We all know that. Some people just say, how are you, to be polite. They want you to say fine and carry on walking. You start talking about your life, they look at you and walk off. But when someone asks, how are you? And actually means it. I've been trying to reference my life of faith, even though I'm in my ordinary life. So I might say something like, do you know what? Actually, I've, I've been a bit stressed recently, a little bit down, but I've got myself out for a walk today, prayed, found I've got a lot more peace in my life. Much better. Thank you. How are you? Now, that's not that weird, is it? But I've just dropped in that I have a life of faith and that I pray. And if that person's interested, they've got two things they can ask me about really easily without anyone having to be read. I'm not forced it down their throat. I was at church like you should have been. Uh, I've, not, I've, not, I've not gone aggressive. I've not used words they don't understand. I've just talked about it normally. I was with a friend this weekend. They were saying that uh, they were talking with someone they didn't really know who asked, how was your summer? Uh, and they said to him, do you know what? I'm just really thankful to God for the family holiday we had. Normal, right? But if they're interested, they can ask. And if they're not interested, they can leave it alone. Suddenly, I'm not weird, but I'm talking about my life of faith in my ordinary life because these boxes shouldn't be separate. And when we separate them, you become like the person next to you. They're weird. <laughs> when we separate the boxes, right, which only the person next to you does, as we've already established, but what happens is we, over here, we start to develop some mannerisms, some language, some jokes that only exist over here, right? In another setting, we can have a lot of fun right now. I mean, I've got a wide microphone, so part of me thinks I am a stand-up comedian for a moment, and we, we could have a great time by probably insulting people. But you know what I mean, don't you? There are words that we use in church that we only use in church and no one else will ever get. There are things that we talk about in church that you would never talk about anywhere else because it's just a bit odd the way we talk about it. And if we do that, then we can never talk about it over there because it's like we're talking a different language. And at worst, what happens is we become, maybe you've noticed this in your own life sometimes, two different people. There's church Adam, who can do things a certain way. And there's ordinary life Adam, who does things another way. And never the two shall meet. Anyone ever been that person? Hands up. Moment for extreme honesty. That has been me at multiple times in my life. And do you know what it does? It makes you weird makes you like the person next to you and it stops you being who God made you to be. So let's read the Bible, shall we? Because this isn't just a stand-up comedy show this morning. We're going to read the Bible, see what the Bible has to say about this problem that we've made that makes us weird. If you've got your Bible, we're going to Acts chapter 17. I suggest you follow along with me. We're just going to read a few verses. 
It's going to come up on the screen. I hope you can see it. No? If you've got your Bible with you, you'll be okay. I'm going to read it if you can't, so it's going to be okay. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. Paul here is speaking to a bunch of people who have asked him about his God. So he's responding to a question. He's not standing on a preach corner preaching. He is talking to someone or a group of people who are interested. And he says, Acts 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. What does have our being mean? It means exist. In him we live and move and exist. As some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. If you know the story, Paul is on a very famous hill in Athens called Mars Hill. Uh, he's walked up the street and along the side of the streets on Mars Hill are all these shrines and statues to other gods. And he's walked along and he's seen one, which is to the unknown God. And then he gets into this conversation with the people who like to talk about this kind of thing. Uh, and he says, look, let me tell you something. You've got it wrong, which is slightly more aggressive than we've been talking about so far. But they did ask. He says, let me tell you about this God that you don't know. And he says, this is not a God that you go and visit. Like you have a life of faith where you leave your ordinary life to come over here and visit God. No, no, no. God's not a God that you go and visit. He made everything. He made our lives. He's given us our every breath. It's all because of him. He's saying, Athenians, there's not two boxes. Then he says, God doesn't only care about what you do in front of the statue. Because, of course, that's why they've got the statues. So you can go along, you can give the God a nice little bit of food, like he needs some food. Give him some money, like he needs some money. You can say some nice things to stop him being so angry, so maybe he will bless you. Like, that's how the shrine system worked. And he said, look, you don't have to go and visit God and be nice to him or give him something that he might need just to get blessed. It's not that you can do that stuff, then sneak off back over here to your ordinary life where God can't see you and you can do whatever you want, like God's some kind of cosmic head teacher. And when he can see you, you've got to be good and stand up straight and do your top button up. But then when he's gone, you're over here, you can do whatever you want. He's saying, no, 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 God's not like that. It isn't that you've got to do things a certain way in front of him and you can do something else when you're away from him. Now, God cares about your entire life. That's what Paul's saying to them. In him, you live and move and exist. Everything you have is connected to God. It's what he's telling them. And if you've learned about this before, here we go, a little bit of a, drop my badge, slightly more advanced. This is called the sacred secular divide. Anyone ever heard that phrase before? It's where we go, some things really matter to God and he's interested in them and he cares about them. And some things he doesn't care about at all. Nothing to do with God. They're the secular things. 
Now, the Our World says this, doesn't it? It says, your faith has no place in politics. It's secular. You know, but everything I do, I want to do because of my faith, right? Doesn't, the sacred secular divide doesn't exist, but we, we create it. And what we do is we get these name badges, right? They don't say Adam, but they say Christian. And we go and we slap them on things, like we get some Christian music. We get a Christian T-shirt, like a Christian like a T-shirt could ever choose to follow Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> we have Christian books. We have Christian, what other Christian things do we have? Anything? Festivals. Yes. That is a good one. Christian music. Christian Christian films. Yes. And we put the badge on all this stuff. This sort of Christian stuff. This is safe. God cares about it. He likes it. Car stickers we've just had from the front row. And that stuff all belongs over here in our life of faith. And then there's a bunch of stuff that God doesn't care about, isn't interested in, and has nothing to do with him like normal music. Other T-shirts like mine. Uh, novels. Painting. Uh, your job. Because that's just secular, right? It's nothing to do with God. God's only interested in the stuff that's over there. You see why we get weird? And then when we ever try and talk about this thing over here, it doesn't work because we've created this whole other world over there. It is a load of rubbish. Remember, although I've got two boxes currently, there shouldn't be two boxes at the front. Turn to the person next to you. Remember, they're the weird one. Tell them there shouldn't be two boxes at the front. Because if we've got two boxes, it's like, God's only bothered when you dance at church, but doesn't care when you're dancing on TikTok. Or the, whew, I told you, every age today, every age. I mean, or that God can only speak to you when you're reading a Christian paperback and he can never speak to you through a novel. Yeah? Or that you can only listen to Christian music because that's safe, but, but God's like, oh, you shouldn't listen to that other music, it's a bit dangerous. So what happens is we create these two different worlds and it makes us weird. We can never talk about our life of faith because it's this whole different life from the ordinary life that everybody else exists in. Yet this is what we read in the Bible just before. What do we read? God made everything. Did it say God makes the Christian stuff? Did it say God makes the safe things? Does it say God makes the nice things? God made everything. And he made everyone and he's worked throughout history so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him because he is not far from any one of us. Friends, when we separate the two boxes out, what we're doing is we're acting like Jesus is an add-on to our ordinary life. When in fact, Jesus is utterly involved in everyday life. When you clean your teeth, he's with you. When you get your lunchbox out of the bag at the end of the day, he cares. When you're sending funny messages to people on your phone, he's bothered. When you're walking along the street, he's with you. When you're doing something new, he's interested. When you're doing something boring, he's for you. There is no part of life that Jesus is not involved with. He's utterly involved in the entirety of our everyday lives. And friends, this isn't just the Christians. Did you notice? Did you notice? Though he is not far from any one of us, says Paul. God is close to everyone, whether they know it or not. 
And so when we separate it out, we think, well, God's only close to me over here, my life of faith. We're going exactly against what it said in the Bible, which is that God's close to us all. And even though people might not get it, God's close to them and he's at work in their lives. Tish Warren, Tish Harrison Warren. People with three names, man. Tish Harrison Warren is an Anglican priest. This is her in America. She's also a writer. This is something I read from her recently. I went, ooh, that works my talk, so I copied it. She said, we tend to want a Christian life with the dull bits cut out, like a film. Yet God made us to spend our days in rest, work, and play, taking care of our bodies, our families, our neighborhoods, our homes. What if all these boring things, what if everything in our ordinary life mattered to God? And that's what's called a rhetorical question because she's saying it does matter to God. Friends, Jesus is not an add-on to ordinary life. You can't have a separate box over here that you keep just for Sunday mornings and maybe a midweek group or just for your Christian friends. He's not only interested or active in the spectacular. He does do the spectacular. We all have our weird God stories. We've all got something we could say about that. He does do the spectacular, but he's not only interested in the spectacular. He doesn't live in a separate box to the rest of our lives. The good news of Christianity is that God is not like a statue or an idol that lie in the street that Paul walked along. Our God is alive. He cares. His heart is full of love for every person on the face of the earth. He's worked throughout the whole of history that people might come to him. And the central moment, God's biggest work in sending Jesus shows this so clearly. It shows us exactly what God is like and exactly what God cares about. Because get this, Jesus lived an ordinary life. If you don't know this, then you need to just correct your thinking real slightly. Jesus lived an utterly ordinary life, but he did it completely with God. Didn't separate out his life of faith. He didn't have two boxes. He had a fairly normal childhood. He got lost on a family trip to the capital city. Who's not done that? He grew up. He learned carpentry. He probably built houses. He went fishing with his friends. He walked dusty Middle Eastern streets day after day with a bunch of pals. Every step of it he did with God because he didn't have two boxes. The end goal was to defeat humanity's biggest enemies, what the Bible calls sin and death. What it means by sin is a hardness of heart that turns its back on God, the creator of all things and the one who makes hearts beat. Notice anything familiar with the boxes? A sin that turns sin is something that makes your heart hard and turns itself away from God. So you have an ordinary life and perhaps a God bit that you let him in on. That's what the Bible says sin is. It's a heart that assumes it no best, a heart that knowingly or unknowingly separates God out from the rest of life and either says you have no place in any of this or you can just stay over there in your nice little box. But Jesus resisted this every step of the way. He had one box, one life, always with God. He always welcomed God. He always followed God. And although he was killed on the cross, friends, what happened? He defeated death. He rose from the grave. His friends found it empty on the third day. He appeared alive to them and he did really normal things like eating and drinking and talking with them. His defeat of our enemies, friends, it means that simply, more than simply God being near us, God is 
with us and we can know him and be with him in all of our ordinary lives, both now and forever. The death of Jesus means there is no need for two boxes and in fact, two boxes is the wrong path. At the end of the day, when you meet your non-Christian acquaintance on your Sunday afternoon walk, you've no idea what God is doing in their life. You've absolutely no idea. And if we hide our life of faith away in a separate box and we say, fine, thanks, we might never find out if they're seeking for God and reaching out for him. But if we let our life of faith be slightly visible, we might just find that they are seeking him and reaching out for him and they may just find him. What a privilege to be involved in God's eternal work. If we unite our boxes. Do you know what? I had this all lined up. These boxes aren't quite the same size, right? This one fits inside the other one until you wrap it in brown paper. (laughs) (laughs) So don't fit in anymore. And so the visual effect is gone, but should we give it a go? Oh, we can do it. No. Huh? No, I'm not taking that out again. That'd be silly. Because it shouldn't come out. It should be in the box. Oh, thank you, thank you. Visual illustration extraordinaire. There aren't two boxes. There's just ordinary life. You think life's spectacular with Jesus? Well, sometimes it is. Most of the time it's boring and ordinary. But the God of the universe who created all things and gives life to everything is with you. (laughs) And it goes on eternally. Still kind of ordinary, actually. But that's another talk. When we separate out our life of faith from our ordinary life, it makes us weird. Because we can't talk about it. So shall we be people who combine the two? Live with one box? An ordinary life, full of God, always with him, make us less weird. It'll make the person next to you less weird as well. Why don't you tell them this is good news for you? You don't have to be weird anymore. Talking of weird, (laughs) talking of weird, we are going to go away from the very difficult to peel plastic cups, I promise you, but we're just incremental steps, make life COVID safe and everyone happy. We're going to finish together today by doing something incredibly normal, incredibly ordinary. Every human on the face of the earth does this every day of their life, pretty much. We're going to eat and drink. Because Jesus, when he wanted his followers to remember him, he gave them something utterly ordinary. Didn't that strike you as interesting? Could have given us like this incredible ritual to do that was full of mystical stuff. But what he did was he said, hey, you know that bread or those waffers that you have sometimes? And you know that stuff you drink, your wine or your grape juice in this case? You know, eat it and drink it in remembrance of me. He said, as you eat it, as you drink it, more than remembering me, you're declaring that you're following me. With all of your ordinary, everyday eating and drinking life. So what we're going to do is wrestle with our little cups. There are, two, there are two film lids. You have to get the top one off to get the wafer. Thanks, thanks, my friend. Bless you. 
<laughs> See, they have their own language. Bless you. <laughs> Got no clue as a stand-up comedian if that's our idea. And then you pull off the second one without sending it all over your t-shirt, like most people do. And, uh, and then you can drink the wine. But what we're going to do as we do it is we're going to turn to one or two people around us. We're going to spend just a few minutes as we do this totally ordinary everyday act of eating and drinking, just praying with one another that our life of faith would be part of our totally ordinary everyday life, just like God designed. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray for each other, going to encourage one another. If you know you need help, ask for help. Again, don't get in someone's face if they're wearing a mask. Don't get your hand all over their mouth and nose as you pray for them and lay hands on them. But take your communion, pray for one another. In a couple of minutes, Joe and Hamish come back up and we'll finish with a song. But let me pray for us as we take communion. Father, we're so thankful that you care about the ordinary. We're so thankful that you don't make us weird. We're so thankful that your heart is for every human being on the face of the planet. That everyone would know you. That everyone be with you now and forever. Lord, we pray, help the people next to us who are weird. <laughs> Lord, make them unweird by combining their life of faith and their ordinary life together. And help me, because I'm just as bad, combine my life of faith and my ordinary life so that I can show you to the world around me. Amen. Oh,